0: Welcome to the Nourish Nervous System, an exploration of stress, the nervous system, and transformative self-care practices for parents and other humans through the lenses of Ayurveda, holistic coaching, somatic practices, herbs, and much, much more. I'm the host, Kristen Timchak, a holistic life coach, Ayurvedic educator, herbalist, and mother of a tiny human, please join me for information, insight, deep thoughts, and small steps to help you nourish your nervous system. Welcome and welcome back to the Nourish Nervous System. How are you faring this week? I know there's a lot of big stuff going on in the world and possibly in your own life, and I just want to acknowledge how challenging it is to be a human and to stay soft while witnessing the horror and grief happening in the world. It's so hard to feel powerless while witnessing so much pain. And it's also hard not to get desensitized to it. It's heartbreaking to witness what humans do to other humans. And I think a part of staying human is to let our heart break, but also to know when you need a break, when you need to rest and nourish yourself. And I think this is ultimately what resiliency is to be able to grow and change and increase your capacity for humanity and navigate stress and heartbreak and grief with tools that help you to listen and nourish yourself in order to continue to stretch and grow and push past your limits and comfort zones. But before we get deeper into this topic, I'd like to give the reminder that this podcast is purely for entertainment and educational purposes and should not be considered health or mental health advice. Anything said should not be taken as a replacement for medical, clinical, professional advice, diagnosis, or medical intervention. Okie dokie. Let's get back into it. So I've been thinking a lot about resiliency lately and how if we don't have some base layer of nourishment, it's so hard to cultivate resilience. And for me to truly feel vibrant in my life, I also need to feel resilient. I don't want to be vibrant in a bubble, a vibrant flower living in a glass house protected from everything. I want to be vibrant in the face of all of life's beauty and challenges. I want to cultivate nourishment practices and resiliency so that I can really live my life and weather all its storms. And sometimes when I'm really burnt out, I do need to live in that bubble for a period of time in order to nourish myself and find my ground. But the long game is vibrancy and resiliency. There was a period of time in my herbal studies and explorations where I got to be part of essential oil distillations. And if you're not familiar, essential oils are oils that are naturally found in many aromatic plants that give them their their scent. They're also a part of the plant's immune system. So I was getting to Whitney's and be a part of and help in these essential oil distillations. And some were on William Stiff's farm uh, and his farm for pharmacy program. And some were in California at a fluorocopia retreat. And I don't remember exactly where this was. I think it was the fluorocopia retreat, but this was like 13 or 14 years ago. So bear with me. But I do remember an experiment done where one batch of the plants that were distilled were stressed. They weren't given as much water and were living in harsher conditions. And the other batch of plants were taken care of to an extreme. They had the perfect amount of water and light and warmth and everything. So, And so it turned out that the plants that were stressed produced more and higher quality essential oil than the plants that had all of their needs perfectly met. And when I first heard this, I was somewhat surprised. I would have thought that the well-taken care of plants would have produced more oil. But as I learned more about the role that the essential oils play in the plants as their immune system and a way of, um, in some plants, actually a, a form of communication in certain types of trees, this made more sense to me. So this is resilience. The Under stressful conditions, the plant adapted To survive and ultimately become stronger. And the reason I'm telling you this kind of random and not well-remembered story is because I think this can be true for all living things, but I also think there's a balance and a line. So the plants that were stressed, they weren't stressed beyond repair. They weren't dying or starving. They were just more stressed. But if they had been given water, they would bounce back, right back and be healthy. I don't want to live in a bubble. Stress isn't bad, and stress can help to build resilience, but there's a line and a balance and a relationship with nourishment. There's a place that our bodies and minds can get to after experiencing chronic stress without nourishment or integration that's harder to bounce back from. I think there's a sweet spot for resilience, and I think that a lot of us are living in an energy deficit, and it's taxing our systems and making us less resilient. And I think that unless you are very resourced or living in a bubble, you are probably putting out more energy than you are receiving. This is especially true for parents. And we have things like caffeine and stimulants, which aren't bad things, but if you are already depleted, they're like an energetic credit card. They give you the energy to get you through that push, but they put you further into debt. And at some point, your body is going to need to repay that debt in some way. So for many women, this can look like borrowing from our sex hormones. It can also look like all the problems that people, myself included, are having with thyroid and autoimmune diseases. We've borrowed too much and now there's an imbalance. So if you're in a place of feeling burnt out or feeling exhausted, fatigued, stuck, overwhelmed and depleted, just know that you are not alone and also know that from that place, the first step to resilience is through nourishment. And nourishment can definitely be what you eat and the herbs or supplements you take. But when I talk about nourishment, I also mean what you take in through all of your senses. I mean, sleep and rest, moving your body, which if you're really burnt out can be gentle exercise, time in nature, meditation, mindfulness practices, creative expressions, and nourishing relationships and community. And then The other place of balance is finding ways to incorporate these things into your life so that they aren't just extra to-dos on the to-do list that end up creating more stress. So incorporating these nourishing activities into your life, listening to your body so that you know when you need rest or exercise or whatever it is you need, and beginning to build up nourishment to help you become more resilient in times of stress. The goal is not to eliminate stress from your life. That would be amazing, but it's just impossible. And ultimately, in the long game of vibrancy, it's not beneficial for us. If vibrancy is a long game, then resilience is a part of that game. In the first part of vibrancy is a long game, I talked a lot about ojas. And one of the reasons I wanted to do this second part is to talk about its counterparts, tejas and prana. So in Ayurveda, there are a few trinities. I've done episodes on vata, pitta, kapha, the trinity of doshas. In the body, vata rules movement, pitta rules transformation, and kapha rules structure and liquids. If you need a refresher, I'll put links to the the episodes on each of these doshas in the show notes. In the first episode of Vibrancy is a Long Game, I talk about ojas, which is the vital essence of kapha. It's a biological protoplasmic substance that circulates through the body. It gives the body, mind, and spirit its immunity and its vitality. It's a substance that's all about nourishment on the deepest level. It'll be no surprise that vata and pitta also have vital essences. The vital essence of vata is called prana. I'm sure if you've been in a yoga class or are just alive in the world today, you've heard of prana. There's even a clothing company named after it. Prana is definitely a buzzword. And prana can be defined simply as life force, vital energy, the breath of life. It's a cosmic life force that's carried into the body through the breath and the food you eat. Or it can also be absorbed into the body from the world around you. Like think like the natural world. So prana cannot be Created or destroyed, and its nature is movement or flow throughout the body. Prana forms the energy of our consciousness, but it also regulates all of our physical functions. So, in Ayurvedic thought, there are subtle energy channels that span throughout the entire body and they carry prana to all the cells of the body. They're called nadis. The three major nadis are the shashumna, which starts at the base of the spine and goes straight up the spine to the crown of the head. And then the Ida and Pingala, which start on either side of the spine at the base, and they crisscross as they spiral up and end at opposite nostrils. So if you've ever been in a yoga class and you've done the Nadi Shodhana breath where you close one nostril and breathe in and then exhale through the opposite nostril, it's you're literally working with those Nadi's, the, the Ida and the Pingala. And basically... If you've ever done any breath work in a yoga class or otherwise, you're working with prana, which is why they call it pranayama. It literally means to control the breath. So prana's nature is to flow throughout the body. And when prana is healthy and flowing, there's a feeling of vitality and vigor. There's a sense of joy and energy. But when prana is stagnant or blocked, it can create a dullness, discomfort, and eventually disease. So there are yoga practices, yoga poses, mudras, and breath work that can help to keep the prana flowing in a healthy way throughout the body. And breathing is something that is so accessible. You're literally doing it all day long, and it doesn't take much effort to take time during the day to focus on your breath for a minute, to breathe more deeply, which in turn brings more prana into your body and your cells. Another direct way to bring more prana into your body is through the food you eat. So have you noticed if you've been to a farmer's market or a farm stand or if you've grown veggies in your yard that what you're getting looks so different than the veggies that might be in like a traditional grocery store coming from California or even farther away Mexico all the, all these different places and, and not just and I'm not just talking about that maybe there's some blemishes or things like that, the actual vibrancy and vitality of the fruits and veggies are different. The closer your food is to its natural source, the more prana it will have. An apple that you pick from your apple tree today is way more alive and full of prana than an apple picked three weeks ago before it was fully ripe and shipped across the country. And I know for some folks getting food from a garden or farm isn't as accessible because of cost or where you live, the availability. And I'm definitely not here to judge anyone on their food choices. I'm just trying to give information that the fresher and closer to the source your food is, the more prana it will have. And this can also be... When you think about eating some whole grains as opposed to something that's like heavily processed, there's going to be more prana in those whole grains than in the food that's processed. And do I still buy bananas from halfway across the world? Yes. My son loves bananas. And if you have a small child, you will know that getting food in is priority. And do I still buy avocados, even though they definitely do not grow here in Maine? Yes, I love avocados. I buy crap, processed crackers from the store. I buy my son those little tiny bunnies. He loves them. It's not about doing everything perfectly. I try my best to eat mostly seasonally and locally when I can. And for me, it's just about doing the best I can when I have the means to do so. I think if I get too stuck in the thought of trying to do things perfectly, which I have done in my younger years, then it actually is not the healthiest mind place for me to be. And I can sometimes end up giving up on it all because, because I can't, there's no way I can do it all perfectly. So I just do, I do the best I can and I'm gentle with with myself when I can't live up to my ideals. And if you're a parent, you already know this because I think parenting is one of the biggest ways that we can really see what's truly important and 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 also see that some of our ideals are just not realistic. So anyways, that's a little aside. For me, the other thing that feels really restorative to my prana is being in nature, especially places that feel more wild or places like the ocean or a waterfall where there's a negative ions or a mountaintop, I can feel that being in these places rejuvenates me and I often feel more balanced and full of energy afterwards. And so prana definitely contributes to your overall vibrancy and health. And the other counterpart to these, to prana and ojas is tejas. It's the vital essence of pitta. And so Pitta Dosha is mostly fire and some water, and is in charge of transformation, and so Tejas is the flame of biological intelligence. Tejas is the vital essence involved in digesting and transforming everything we take in, which includes food, as well as thoughts, actions, emotions, and all other aspects of being human. So Tejas is the essence of digestive fire. And in the episode on Ojas, we learned that the quality and quantity of Ojas is dependent on digestion. So therefore, Tejas is responsible for maintaining the quality of your Ojas and your Prana. And healthy Tejas is the luster in the eyes, the warmth and brightness, and a radiance in a person's physical body and in their mind and spirit. It's the intelligence of the biological body, and it's intertwined with both Prana and Ojas. So if you think of the metaphor of a candle, the wax of the candle represents the ogis. The flame is the tejas, and the energy and light that the flame puts out that moves outwards is the, is the prana. So if the flame is too big, it's going to burn the wax too quickly, and if it's too low, it may be extinguished by the buildup of wax. So having the perfect balance between the three helps to have the most vitality and vibrancy. Practices that can help to increase Tejas are getting up with the sun, exercise, especially things like sun salutation, things that require focus like candle gazing, meditations, and tending to your digestive fire. And if this all feels confusing or overwhelming in any way, let me just simplify it. Vibrancy is a long game. It requires self-care. And if you can incorporate things like exercise, meditation, creativity, social connections, nature, and attention to what you take into your body and mind, you will naturally be tending to prana, tejas, and ojas. This doesn't mean you need to do all of those things every day. And this is where listening comes in. Learn to listen to your body and give it what it needs. Don't aim for perfection. That is just more stress. Just do your best to find the pathways of self-care that bring you joy. Nourish yourself in these ways and you'll be on the path to vibrancy and resilience. The stress will always come. We can't get rid of stress. But how you nourish yourself can help you move in and out of the stress with more resilience. And we really, really need resilience in these times when there's so much division and heartbreak and anger and grief. We need to be able to feel it all and move forward and do our small parts to creating the world we ultimately want to live in. We need resiliency to do this work. So for your small step this week, begin to think about Tejas and prana. Notice how you feel after taking some deep breaths or doing some pranayama, or if you can, go somewhere in nature and notice the vibrancy and prana there and notice how that affects your mind and your body. Also notice how you feel after eating a meal that's full of fresh prana-filled veggies or foods that are closer to their source. And cultivate Tejas by getting some time in the sun or doing a candle-gazing meditation or some sun salutations in the morning. And as always, have a great week and stay nourished. Hey there, thanks so much for listening. I'm feeling slightly less awkward, but this podcast thing is still a big learning curve. So I appreciate you staying tuned as I learn. If you are enjoying the podcast, please rate and review. It helps me get seen by people besides my friends. And if you are not enjoying the podcast, I hope you're not still listening. Because life is way too short to listen to podcasts you don't like.